Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This very special episode of Serious Issues, a comic book podcast, was recorded in two exotic holiday locations and features guest stars and reviews from listeners just like you if you are one of the 12 listeners that sent us reviews. On with the show! guys and welcome to a slightly weird episode of serious issues levens and i couldn't quite get it together to be in the same place to record this week so i'm just going to be doing this is siobhan by the way siobhan coombs um i'm going to be doing my top five picks for this week and i am joined by by special guest everyone's favorite not just a dancer not just a (laughs) dj mr nacho pop nate mendelson yes he is also going to be going through his top five, and then we're going to be doing some honorable mentions and also having a quick complain about <laughs> Civil War II. Uh, specifically to Marvel for disrespecting us by giving us Civil War II. Should we start with Civil War II? We should probably start with Civil yeah. War II. Let's, start, let's get the bad out of the way and then talk about the good. Okay, listen. When you... Probably when they sit around the table and they're like, okay, everyone... There's no table. There is a table. They sit down and they plan events. They, they pretend that they do, but really they just, <laughs> one guy just sends an email to everyone else and goes, we're going to do this. We're going to get all their money. Great. They took... They just made like three pictures. They were like, okay, let's get one of Ms. Marvel punching Iron Man really hard so that we can show that in the next movie. Let's make a comic around that. Bang. Call it a day. But they were like, oh, what about the fans? They were like, we hate the fans. We don't care about them at all. <laughs> no, nothing in this comic makes any sense. No, they're like, I'm trying to save his life. By punching him really hard. Damn you. You're under arrest. Stop it. None of it goes together. And they're like, oh, we got Ulysses. And we have to bring him there. And then all the, they keep doing this scene where like all the superheroes jump into action. Like, what's Sasquatch going to do? You know what I mean? Who even is Sasquatch? He's from Alpha Flight, obviously. Well, I don't know. He's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's to- it's such garbage. You no one, and especially because Civil War, the first one was pretty good. Yeah, Civil War, Civil War is like a classic. I I still maintain that the ending of Civil War is pretty weak, but it is a classic Marvel event. And this is like this is such trash in so comparison. Bad. Like so there are bad. so many moments that don't make any sense. Like the bit where the bit where. Iron Man shoots missiles at Captain Marvel and she moves out of the way and he's like, oh, way to almost kill Captain America, Carol. And it's like, you shot those missiles, Tony. Don't fire a gun and then be mad at who gets in the way. They're also trying to, I feel like they're also trying to just take all the best or the most, the things that people were most excited about in Marvel over the last couple years and just do them again. 
Yeah. Right, like cat getting killed on the steps. Boom, let's throw that in. Yeah, and, then it just, no. and then it just won't happen. And it'll just be oh, like Oh, but it totally is gonna happen because this is the other thing that's so annoying, is that this got delayed and we got a bonus issue full of like total trash. I'm getting too mad. I know podcasters can't see, but I'm taking my shirt off. I'm too hyped. This this podcast has just gotten very sexy. Woo! But they they just they like they um lengthened it by a whole issue just so that they could put in all of these fucking um cussing Shimon is cussing so on the podcast that's how real it is Suppose but like all these previews it's yeah, just like previews a little previews for, in the back for their next events um and so i feel like the miles morales thing is probably going to come true somewhere because of the captain america hydra story arc that's going on at the moment because we have like an evil cap pretty much but like it's it's so frustrating and to just like like um, Jim from King's Comics described it as poo- what up, Jim? as poochying um, Ulysses. You know how Poochie, that character that they brought into Itchy and Scratchy and The Simpsons, and then they got rid of him because. And he goes, "I have to go. My home planet needs me." And it was like he was killed on the way back to his home planet, so he can never come back again. That is basically what they did to Ulysses. Yeah. And like, I feel like the one good thing I have to say about this comic is that David Marquez is very, very good. Hey, he's pretty good. I agree. And he did a good job at this event, and he's good at event comics, and he's good at big explosions, except that's a weird backbend for Captain Marvel. <laughs> but just, yeah, like, this is... I don't think anyone needs us to tell them I, I it's disagree. trash. Hold on, I disagree. I don't think the art is that good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But, come on, dog. This is... You can't see podcasters, podcast listeners, but we're flipping through it. And, like, why does he keep doing the storm, like, from X-Men? You know, she's like, oh, look, my powers, and her eyes go white. Nothing really happens. Nothing happens in this. That's the problem. There's they nothing, just disrespected yeah. us. They were like, oh, they don't need anything to happen. Look and, then it, and then it ends. It ends with Captain Marvel being offered, like, whatever she wants by this evil-looking president. Like, just... You suck. Yeah, Bendis, Bendis is... I don't, yo, Bendis ben, is out of control. Okay, I saw a guy from King's Comics one time, a customer at the train station. We had a little chat. We started talking about... Look, uh, that sounded a little weird, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, and he was like, I like Bendis. I like the little snappy little conversations. And yo, real talk, so do I. But this is basura. Let's continue. Let's, let's not get too hyped. Let, I don't yeah. want my, my first my first serious issues podcast to be all negativity i'm sorry yeah i think i think the main problem is like snappy dialogue is great and everything but it doesn't really work in a big event book when you need it to be pretty plot based and these snappy dialogues don't match up with each other i know i know and it's just her going like like that, that i'm too stressed made out me so bad. okay 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 <laughs> let's leave it but yeah like trash event trash final issue trash resolution boo, boo bendis okay so on a more positive note yes Siobhan, what are your top five comics? all right my top five and it was really hard to pick this week and i'm glad that you picked a few things that would have been in my top five otherwise because otherwise i wouldn't have been able to talk about them um i have two mariko tamaki books wait sorry wait, i'm new to podcast do we do i put in my input on your top five also you can chat about them right. absolutely if you read them I did. um okay so i have two mariko tamaki books in my top five which is pretty exciting mm-hmm. So first one I'm going to talk about is um, Hulk, Hulk issue one, um, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Nico Leon, color by Matt Miller. So this is like, this is, you know, this is the all new, all cranky Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer Walters, Walters, that's her name, right? Um, version of She-Hulk, who is dealing with the repercussions from Civil War II, basically, you know, Hawkeye killing killing her cousin. She seems pretty sad about that. And her trying to get back up, go into work, be a lawyer again, which is my favorite version of She-Hulk, lawyer She-Hulk. Word up. Um, the most, like, interesting thing about this is that she's no longer... Like, I always think it's interesting because so much, like, She-Hulk is this ultra-confident 
um, character and all of her confidence comes out because she's big and green all the time. And now she's human. Mm. She's fully normal again and no one expects it. And this is her dealing with how difficult the world is for her now and not really feeling ready to face it. But already she's back into the office and she's doing some interesting interesting lawyer stuff and I'm I'm keen to see more of that. So I really, really enjoyed this. I think it was a really solid first issue and I really like the art. It's not um it's not like super superhero-y. I think that it'll be interesting to see what it's like when it gets more action-y. Um, and in the sort of sequence where she starts losing control, I think was really well done. I agree. Um, but yeah, just a really solid first issue. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I agree. Also, in the last... The, when they do the speech bubble in like certain styles, mm. it's kind of like a little cool foreshadowing of who it might be. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a theory who that... You don't have to say because you don't want to ruin it for the listeners, but... That I might don't. Be, that might you, be a do cool you have a? Do you I have, have a theory, theory, but I'm not. It might be. It might be somebody we've seen in the movies recently showing up to just be a bad guy for Hulk. But I'm not. Do you think it could be the purple guy from Jessica Jones? I don't know what his name is. You know, Killian, Killian Graves, whatever. Oh. Who do you think it is? Just I thought it was. The, I thought it was Thanos. Because oh. Thanos oh, talks with the mean. black thing around. Yeah, but Thanos is, Thanos is dying of cancer at the moment. Man. Uh-huh. Right, it might be it just whatever write it down it might. okay okay i'm gonna put that in <laughs> weird theories um second one is supergirl being super also by mariko tamaki with art by the fucking amazing joelle jones um this is such a different take on supergirl this is a version of supergirl who was found in the um in her rocket as a child she didn't show up as a teen fully formed knowing who she is knowing who her cousin is and knowing what her mission is on earth she's basically more like superman in her um in her mission and mariko tamaki just draw like she writes great teen girl characters these are like feel like fully fleshed out characters i like the friends that she's developed i like her parents i like that they're a bit weird and different interesting and they're not just like every other sort of like oh well we support you honey kind of um superhero parents it's it's a fully realized world and the um the super zit sequence goes down as one of like the all-time best grossest moments that's a hip-hop classic like that's really amazing i really love this i'm really excited to see where this goes and i love i love out of continuity stuff you know like i think the current supergirl book is good but it's really bogged down by a trying to be exactly like the tv series and um then also trying to fit into regular continuity whereas this is much freer feeling it's um I think there's much more room for them to do interesting things, and I, I really love it. I think it's cool. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's not really for me, this comic, but I like it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah, think that's an not... important thing. Yeah, um, yeah really good. Third, um, and very importantly, this um, is Love is Love, the comic book anthology, which is um, all the proceeds are going to benefit the survivors of the Orlando Pulse shooting. Um, this is full of basically like one to two page little um short comics i cried reading this because it's just very it's just very sad it's very emotional a lot of um there's i mean the comic book world is full of lgd lgbt people and it's um i think that this is a really positive a positive thing that people have put together and there's some big names in here there's some smaller names i mean morgan spurlock writes one um you know we've got marguerite bennett jason aaron jason latour like there's there's heaps of big names in here Who's morgan spurlock he did um supersize me isn't that weird with the movie yeah um but yeah like this is really really beautiful and going to an amazing cause and i it's it's worth every penny 
like as a as a comic on your shelf and also as something to support the survivors. Yeah, what up? I agree. This will look good on the shelf. I I I'm, I don't have a um, I didn't get through it because I get too stressed out when it starts over every two pages because I just <laughs> I just figured out what's happening and then it starts over. I'm not ready. Um, but it'd be great. Yeah, this is great for the shelf. This is a really cool comic. And it's me. it's a good anthology. There's really good good content in there. Um, on an entirely different note, number four, one that I really, really didn't expect to like because I am number one of being like, ugh, I hate stupid like anthropomorphized you characters do. who are like, don't call me cute, everyone. But I really, <laughs> and I haven't enjoyed any, not really enjoyed any of the other um, Guardians grounded comics, but. I really enjoyed Rocket Raccoon issue one by Matthew Rosenberg and um, art by Jorge Coelho. Coelho, I think you'll find he also wrote The Alchemist. What? Nah, no, no, sure. Um, so this is just about like Rocket Rocket Raccoon being stuck on planet Earth, not really knowing how to get out, and really not being able to deal with all of the bullshit that goes on on Earth. So, like, there's a homeless guy, and he's like, well, there's food right there, why can't you just eat it? So he goes into, like, a McDonald's and just steals him a bunch of cheeseburgers and fries, and is like, there you go, now you've got food. Fucking, what do you want from me? Look, I feel that. Absolutely! He tries to go into, like, a, like a sexy striptease show place and he gets kicked out for being like an icky little raccoon dude I feel that it's just like it was much funnier and much cleverer than I expected and I like the art it's weird and scratchy and um, suits the character I really enjoy the idea of him and Johnny Storm being a funny little team up and being best friends because they're both like slightly weird rejects from society now I really support that I support Johnny Storm teaming up with anyone I always think that's funny he's, yeah he's in a couple of comics this week can I ask a quick side note question yeah. why is Johnny Storm a reject from society at the moment because um, he's like teamed up with the Inhumans and because the Fantastic Four have broken up and we don't know where the others are really right so yeah so he's just kind of doesn't really have any place to hang out he's not a re- well, he's, not well he's, he's hanging out with the Inhumans because he's right. dating which is right, right 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 no wait he's dating Medusa I think still. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah, because there was that cool scene where Black Pulse like points at him and then just doesn't say shit because yeah. you know he would blow his head off. Um, and it's a good, like a cool, surprising ending that I'm I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm with it. And it's, it's a good voice for the character. I can't think of what else Matthew Rosenberg has written, but I like him. I agree that the scratchy art works, and it's a little bit more. This is a deep cut for people who know comics, but it's not Mark Texteriera, however you say that. Texteriera is <laughs> not that kind of scratchy. It's like a nice. It's still got solid foundation. Oh, great. Now you're opening up this one. No, this is fine. This is a good one. Um, so the last one, the last one on my list, um, and surprising no one who knows me, is Snot Girl, issue five. This is the best comic ever. I love it so much. I love the art. I love the story. This finishes, this kind of um, wraps up the first story arc, and I love that this comic is not going in any direction that you think it's going to, and I think it's going to get progressively weirder and weirder as it goes along, because this um, sort of, like, we see in this... I think there's like a bit of weird progress for Lottie. We see her actually do something nice for the first time ever um, by being kind to Charlene, who is drunk and obviously has some weird feelings towards Lottie that she hasn't been able to express yet. But then the ending comes and there's some weird stuff going on with Cool Girl. She smashes some mirrors without seeming to do anything. So I don't know if there's some weird psychic powers going on there. She's bleeding from her scalp at the end and Lottie potentially causes another death. So this is like, like it's so, it's so weird. And it's, you know, you look at it on the surface of it being like, oh, it's just about fashion bloggers and stuff like that. But it just, it, it gives you this incredible sense of like 
unease and discomfort and stuff like that. It's just, it's so clever and it's so much more than I think you would give it credit for on the cover. And it really does remind me of incredible manga series. And I think it's, um, I think it's such a special comic. It's a lot like manga. I agree with you. It's a lot like manga. It's I don't, I'm not really a manga bro. So it kind of, it doesn't speak to my voice, but also, but just looking at, that dope panel right there boop it's real subtle it's real cool it it comes to things from a different angle i do mess with it i just don't like it yeah i understand that (laughs) it's not gonna be for everyone but it speaks to me so strongly and i think that leslie hung is so unbelievable as someone who hasn't worked on in um like interior comics to the best of my knowledge before because she is such a brilliant storyteller and the sequences that need action have action and there's movement and the clothes are obviously incredible and it gives it a real sense of lived in quality so um those are my top five everyone all right so now me now me yay i only have two marvel comics in here because i feel so disrespected by marvel (laughs) i mean that i feel disrespected i think it's like that's not an exaggeration i know you do and i think it's shocking that there are two dc comics in your top five i don't like dc comics like that's crazy uh, number one is from Image Comics. It's called Deadly Class. Yes. I have not. I have not been reading this after issue number one and two mm-hmm. because I couldn't really keep track of what was going on. Um, I still don't know what's going on, <laughs> um, but the art is dope. The yeah. art is the best art this week. I would say. I agree. It's real. It's real. It's real. Like good design, good backgrounds, good action. Crazy dynamic packed full like you're getting yeah. bang for your buck you know what i mean and story-wise like i'm so glad you picked this because i was really wanting to choose it as well because we see like there's so much that happens in this issue and i like like double crosses and characters potentially dying and mm-hmm. characters losing it like we see i can't remember what her name is but sire's um new pledge we see her like really snap and lose it um mm-hmm. in a way that i was not expecting i love the big german metal guy he really really pleases me i love that when he's going into battle he's still talking like he's a um dungeon master mm-hmm. yeah just this is such a fun action-packed but also really clever series. i'm really glad you could talk about that more because i didn't know any of those things because i just looked <laughs> at the pictures however but like that's that's that um that's such a huge plus in the column but you can read this and just enjoy the enjoy the art and that's enough i was gonna say that it reminds me of my man ron wimberly with the cool the way they talk about the the, excuse me the way they do the effects whatever and they look like how they would you know it's kind of how they would rock and there's an ad for my man ron wimberly's new edition prince of cats pick it up if you haven't already shout out to ron wimberly number two on my list uh, is Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars bro. Um, we saw Rogue One and that was great. Um, I don't, I'm not like, I don't, you know, it doesn't get my heart thumping to read it in all the different voices or whatever. Um, but it's got all the, it's got all the cool guys in it that you want to see in this Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they're doing new things and it, and it makes sort of sense and the art is dope again. Who's the art? LaRocca. LaRocca. So, yeah, actually, I feel like whoever has colored this um, oh, has yeah. done an amazing job. Like, I think LaRocca's very good anyway, but it looks amazing. It's a real, it's sort of like a cool little, I like, I, for my comics, I like them to just do one thing. You know what I mean? Go yeah. in there, kick some ass. And this is a good, if you if you cool want to read the Star Wars comics, that's the, this issue is the beginning of a new arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing, like, we're getting kind of two stories for one in this. Like, we're seeing um, everyone, like, C-3PO is with 
the Empire and Luke really wants to save him, but the uh, Rebels can't spare him to go and just save a droid. But then we're also getting a flashback story about Yoda, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, and Yoda kicks him ass. Who, who was the guy who drew X-Men when, all the, when they came back from the past and there was like three different beasts all hanging out with each other? Remember that I guy? Yeah, I know who you mean, but I it can't reminds, It reminds, him, reminds me of him. I feel like he might have even done the cover. Who did the cover? I don't know. I'm not, very, I'm not a details guy. You know what I mean? Stuart Eminent. There Eminent, you go, no, Eminent. Right. That's right. Wow. It was him. Anyway, it reminds me right. What do you mean you can't believe I'm right? I'm a serious podcaster. Number three. <laughs> this is shocking to me. This is shocking. It's a good comic. This is Batgirl. Um, this is issue probably, six. Issue six is probably the first issue of Batgirl I've ever read, but I couldn't read Marvel because they disrespected me. And but they, they you know, I love just superheroes solving a problem, so a whole bunch of people don't die, and then it's the end of the issue. Boop, call it yeah. a day. Like this is this was great because this was just a pretty much one and done in between arcs issue where mm-hmm. Batgirl is coming back from Asia, she's heading back to Burnside, and she gets on the plane. And who's on the plane? Oh, it's flippant Poison Ivy. I don't know a thing about Poison Ivy. Um, she, she controls plants, I guess. Yes. Um, but they, there's a bit of a problem, and they have to fix it. That's, and they that's fix what's it. up. That's what you need from comics. That's yeah. what I want from my comic books. Great, great issue. Great, yeah. I, like I wouldn't have, if if the artist, I wouldn't have put it on my list of artists I mess with. The, the writer, I don't know, but just good comics. Hope Lawson and Raphael Albuquerque. Oh, you like a creative Hope team on them? Yeah, I like both of them. I think it's a good comic. Number four. No, you heard this before. That's a deep cut for my hip-hop listeners. Is Black Panther. That's appropriate. Absolutely. Um, Black Panther number nine. Um, I didn't really mess with the uh, with the Black Panther relaunch. I wanted to because of... Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yes. I'm writing it, and I like, I like Dude, and I like direction of things. I liked his book a lot. I read his book just recently on a plane. It was really, really good. And I think that when you have read his other work, you... Like, even just reading a little bit of his book has really enriched how I read his Black Panther stuff. It, that being said, though, I want to diss his, his, his issues, like, two to five or something. I feel like it wasn't necessarily comic book that I could jump on. It wasn't... It yeah. was a little bit like... It's, not, it's not a super traditional superhero book. It's a bit, like, wordy, and it's very political. But that being said, now that we're at issue nine, it's hitting a great stride. Absolutely. And all the political stuff is kind of... Like shaking each other's hand, I can kind of. I feel like now it's sort of yeah. There was there was a period of like world building that took a little bit to get through, but um, now that he's got all of the pieces set up, where it's really nice. The game is great. It's really nice. Peace plant. It reminds me sort of like of a a Hickman kind of like have a few things popping and then you check in with a few different guys. Yep. Um, There's a lot of stories. Really good. It's it's really complex, cool stuff that that doesn't get tackled a lot in comics. and shout out to his book also. What was the book called? Oh, gosh, I can't. Between Me and Between the Me and the World? Between yeah. Me and, yeah, something. Real dope. Anyway, dope comic. That was number four. Number five, another DC comic. It's another, so shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. I don't like DC comics, but this is great. Just the first, it's called Vigilante Southland. I don't know. what. Who is that? Who's that guy? Vigilante, I don't really know. I read the first issue of this and was like, uh, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, um, this is issue number three mm-hmm. of six. So All it's right. like a mini series, a little mini joint. But the art in it, it not ju- not that great. Not you wouldn't cut anything out and tape it to your school binder. But <laughs> it really reads so well. Like you can see what's happening. Like it, it co- kind of jumps around. It it really it takes you from one perspective to another flawlessly. It kind of jumps from this world to another. There's some cool weird sex shit. There's some <laughs> cool people getting punched in their mouths. There's this car crash. 
there's a reference to Phil Jackson. There's a there's a, in this eagle. I got you focused. That's great. They, anyway, really great comic, and I, I wasn't expecting it to be great. I was just kind of flicking through because I was supposed to because I'm a serious podcast bro now. But yeah, great. It ends on a cool note. Real nice. It's a dark horse. With yeah, no it makes horse. me it makes me want to go back and reread issues one and two. So that real I can, good. I'm telling you. So that I can enjoy it and just the. Um, creative team is Gary Phillips writing it and Elena Casagrande on art. So it's a lady artist. That's exciting. And her name means big house, which is kind of fresh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have five honorable mentions. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Honorable mention um, to Mother Panic issue two by Jody Hauser and Tommy Lee Edwards. This is just really, really good. Didn't quite make it into my top five, but um, still an excellent series, and I'm keen to see where it goes. I disagree. I didn't really like it because it bothered <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know I was going to say that. Because it kind of bothered, bothered me how much it reminded me of um, what's your man who drew the wake? Oh, um, Sean G. Murphy. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of his style, even to the fact. Remember Joe the Barbarian? Yeah. It reminded me of like that world, then plus a little bit of. Tokyo Ghost World, yeah. then plus a little bit of... Uh, it's interesting that it's a comic set in Gotham that doesn't look like the Gotham the way you see. Yeah, this is a superhero book, pretty much. And I even liked, I was like, oh, why is she drawing on the wall in blood? And then I had to try to go back to figure it out, and I couldn't even put it together. She was just freaking out a dude. All right, well, whatever. It was weird. I don't like it. Anyway. I liked it. It was weird. <laughs> Moving on. Wait, let me talk about this one. Okay. Uncanny Avengers, number 18. Duggan and Libranda. Um, why you why? No, sorry. Uh, this was is way better than the Uncanny Avengers that I've read recently. Um, it's real good, in fact. It's kind of like Rogues in the House. Uh, the art's real nice. Quicksilver's having some issues. He takes out really crying. He takes out um Johnny Storm. Oh, what? Which I always thought you should be able to take. Johnny Storm's easy to take out. You just take away his eyes. He's made a fire. Yeah, just run fast in circles around him. Boop. There you go. Oh, there you go. Dead. Created a vacuum. Vacuum. Call it a day. Anyway, yeah, good comic. I'm. I didn't make it into my top five because I'm because I don't like the Red Skull, and I'm mad at the whole the entire concept that's been popping since Uncanny Avengers. What a year ago, two years ago, when they stole Xavier's brain, and then therefore he gets his mutant powers and he becomes an Omega level telepath. Come on. Come on, guys. Anyway, that didn't make it into my top five. Next. Uncanny Inhumans by Charles Soule and Avi Silva. Um, so this is the story arc where. Or Oran stole Oran's back. She stole Black Bolt's voice. Um, they kind of wrapped that up and fixed this in this issue. And now Oran is going to be out, out about. This is like it was nice because it was almost like a little two-issue mini story, um, focusing on some humans that you I haven't really known that much about or cared about up until this point. I like Medusa's new costume, um, and I think the art is excellent. I agree. Very good comic. Um, it just did. It didn't move into magical territory for me, so it didn't make it in my top five. But very cool. Good art. Black bull in the house. Word up. Yeah. Okay, my one. Um, next one that almost made it in the top five is Seven to Eternity. Rick Remender and Jerome Jerome, <laughs> Jerome Opinia. Opinia. Um, I like this too. Uh, the art is fresh. Um, but again, just like Mother Panic, I have to not let it in my top five because I feel like my man Opeña is recycling his, his papers. Um, I got... I There's got, some very Hickman-esque designs. I got some Ultimate Read right here. Yeah. <laughs> I got some The Builders over here. I got, yeah. Yo, you remember Uncanny X-Force? Uh-huh. Of course you remember Uncanny X-Force. It was the best thing that Marvel did in that many years. Look at this. Boop, boop. Who's playing the flute? 
just like remember Apocalypse oh, had the, like yeah. the, the guy, the drummer guy. This is straight out of Uncanny X Force. Anyway, it's fine. Like opinion's real good. Like I feel like this comic is just top ten material. Getting better as it goes along. Like it's still there's still so much world building that I want from yeah. it, but um, I'm I'm intrigued. It's very it's very very good. It's top five material. It just didn't make it in with this issue. I feel, and I want to read it all together in one. Whoop. And what about the fifth? honorable mention and our final honorable mention the least obvious i mean the most obvious least surprising honorable mention of all time saga issue 41 most comic book stores didn't receive that this week so we had a quick peek at it digitally um but this is like i mean so, like saga is just the best it's the best comic you it know is, it is the best comic to be honest there's really and it continues to be shocking and emotional we see some like really good we see some characters who we haven't seen in a minute um meet up the meeting between the will and sophie and stuff was pretty surprising that was weird yeah, but i yeah. liked it um it's always you know we're seeing marco like disappear further and further into violence as he uh, finds it more and more difficult to avoid i mean it's just it's just the most clever comic i wanted to hate on this one because i feel like um fiona staples is not putting as much work as she used to. And I, you know what I mean? Boop, boop. Come on. Anyway, I used, you can't see that, podcast <laughs> listeners, but there's a... Yeah, I feel like she's not putting in as much work as she maybe used to. That being said, it's still better than 90% like, yeah. of the comics that we put in. That we put in. Like, any criticism of Saga is has to be taken. You're just lightly. hating. You're just yeah, hating. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, hating. That's why I wanted to put this in. But it still had, it still almost made in the top five. And it, we didn't even, we don't even have a copy of it because we read it digitally. Obviously. Obviously. Um, so that's all the comics that we have time for. Um, all of these are available at King's Comics. Shout out to King's Comics. <laughs> 310 Fit Street or kingscomics.com. Marvel, stop disrespecting us. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And hopefully we'll be back with you on a regular podcast um, next week. All right. See you later. Bye. Hey, what's up, everybody? Levin's here. You are listening to Serious Issues, the special holiday edition. Thanks so much to Siobhan and Nacho Pop, a.k.a. Nate. Uh, I'm recording this with my shirt on, so apologies if uh, you can you can tell. There's maybe like, you know, it sounds a lot better with the shirt off. Just let us know in the future if shirts off is the way to go. Um, please don't tell Siobhan how good Nate was just then because I think they maybe recorded a better show than uh, I normally record with uh, with Siobhan each week. Uh, they make a great team. Uh, so I'm here to tell you my top five for the week. Um, I've, I've, I've managed to... I'm, I'm, I'm in the uh, central coast of New South Wales and uh, it's been unbelievable weather so I haven't I really had a chance to catch up with my books but this morning it was pouring with rain so I thought, well, there's no better thing to do when it's raining than hide away from your family and read all of last week's comics. That's exactly what I've done. Um, I also thought it would be fun since this is a different show and we weren't going to... You know, Siobhan and I weren't going to review in detail every single comic that came out last week. I thought I would... Uh, Give a little shout out to the Serious Issues Facebook group, and I uh, put an ad, a uh, a Craigslist ad up on our Facebook group saying, um, if you want to review one of the books, send me a 60-second review. And so, yeah, about 12, 15-ish people sent through reviews of books that came out last week. So, uh, make sure you listen to the end of this episode for everyone's guest reviews. It's a pretty fun thing to do that we think we might bring back every now and then. Certainly on these fun holiday specials. Um, I'll also be honest, uh, the only reason I agreed to record anything this week was so I could, I could complain about uh, Civil War 2, the final issue. Um, and actually, one of our guest reviewers uh, 
goes on a similar rant that I'm going to go on. In fact, he's a lot more positive about it than I'm about to be. Uh, I'm going to say really nice things about books I liked first. Then I'm going to rant about Civil War 2. And then I'm going to put, play the guest reviews. So, uh, without further ado, my top five books for the week. Uh, I'm cheating a lot in this segment because uh, I have this inability to um, read a comic and then not talk about it at length with someone anymore. So uh, I'm going to talk about pretty much every book I read at some point in this t- apparent top five. Uh, so my number one spot, it actually goes to two books and they were both written by a writer who I um, was, wasn't aware of before reading these books, Mariko Tamaki. Uh, she wrote two books that have already been talked about by Nate and Siobhan this week, um, Hulk issue one and um, Supergirl being super issue one. Um, my preferred of the two was the Supergirl being super um, which is a uh, kind of out of canon. <laughs> oh man, I got the holiday holiday flu. Um, it's an out of canon Supergirl story, um, which is the kind of the way to really get me on, on board a DC book is to have it outside of continuity. It means the writers can kind of have, have more risks with things, and even though this kind of feels less risky and, and easier to get your head around than the current Supergirl rebirth stories. Um, this, this book, um, it helps that it's drawn by Joel Jones, who is one of my favorite artists, uh, working today. Um, but this is a really, really kind of like straightforward story about Supergirl going through puberty. And there's a, uh, completely horrific zit popping scene. Um, and some like, you know, like lots of high school, um, like teenage dialogue, which is dramatic, but without angst, which I think is a really important thing to be able to pull off. And we read a lot of, a lot of books by, um, by young writers that, that, that write, write young characters. And sometimes the, the, I mean, and this happens, old writers do it too. When, when you write young teenage characters, the dialogue, I mean, we complain about it every other week, the dialogue feels so forced and, and just not like something anyone young or old would ever say ever. But, uh, Tamaki has a really good handle on, the various teenage characters in this, especially the friendship of, of Supergirl and her two best friends, I think is really, really genuine. And uh, even though it is quite lighthearted and fun, occasionally, you know, goes into the dramatic um, kind of dialogue. I think it's, it, it's remains true to the characters and never really felt like something that I wouldn't ever hear in the real world. Um, we don't really get too much of a story. Uh, just, it's just kind of like a setup for something big and catastrophic about to happen in Supergirl's hometown. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this version of Supergirl and I hope something happens that this becomes the canon Supergirl because I really just didn't connect with Steve Orlando's Supergirl comic at all. That was uh, That's part of the main canon for Rebirth. So yeah, that's uh, my absolute biggest recommendation. also helps that it's in a prestige format, um, just like the uh, Dead Man romance comic that we've been reviewing lately. Um, we're big fans of that. I'm just big fans of, uh, a big fan of the prestige format in general. It reminds me of the um, awesome uh, DC Elseworlds books. And considering this is not canon, I guess this is kind of what the Elseworlds books are, these kind of awesome, more romance, teenage, almost female-focused books so far. Hopefully that this this becomes a regular thing because I really enjoyed this. Uh, Mariko Tamaki also wrote uh, Hulk number one this week, which had uh, art by uh, Nico Leon. Um, this was great, a really great start. Again, not offering too much um, in the way of a, a bigger story, just kind of setting up our character um, and letting us know the, the world that she's a part of. Um, you know, Jennifer Walters, AKA She-Hulk is now after going into a coma because of the, um, you know, we think we got it bad after just reading Civil War 2. No one had it worse than She-Hulk. Actually, no, actually, I suppose everyone who died had it worse than She-Hulk. You know what, She-Hulk, stop complaining. People are dead. But uh, she is trying to get back to work and she is also trying not to Hulk out anymore. And this uh, kind of 
treats Hulk. I, almost, I interpret it almost as a, as like a mental illness or you know like a, an anxiety attack is is what what she kind of views the Hulk inside her as. And whereas Jennifer Walters used to kind of be this super positive and uh, always brave Hulk, she Hulk because she was always big and green. We just see Jennifer Walters in her human form for the entirety of this book, and there are that you can tell that there's a monster inside her ready to rage. Um, I think a good start to this series. Uh, again, I definitely preferred Supergirl overall, but you know it's a longer book, so you've got more chance to win me over. Mariko Tamaki, consider yourself on my radar, and I'm looking forward to reading everything you put out from this day forward. Because that's what we do here on Serious Issues. We read it all, unless we're on holiday, and then we read most of it. Uh, the uh, mo- second book that I want to talk about uh, is AD After Death, book two. Uh, it's kind of cheating again, having this on here. It's not really a comic. It is kind of. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Jeff Lemire, who are, you know, two of the biggest names in comics working today, working together. And uh, this, like the first issue, it's a, a big magazine format. Uh, it's it's a big read. It took me well over an hour to, to get through, just like the first issue did. It's half prose and um, half comic. And it jumps forward and backward, and it's telling kind of three stories in time throughout each issue. Um, it basically, after death is about a world in which the cure for death has been created. And we know that this has had ramifications for the rest of the world because uh, everyone who, who has, has been cured of dying now can't procreate. So everyone in this world, that's all you're ever going to get in this world. Um, you've you got to live with everyone that you know, and know, know today. There's going to be no one else. And uh, at the heart of this is a, uh, a super thief um, who was instrumental in in creating in, in basically making the cure a reality, um, and he at, at some points in this book is seen kind of venturing into this crazy alien world, which I think is the part of the Earth that does not that was kind of badly negative effect negatively affected by the the existence of the cure. Um, he's dangling a lot of carrots um, and and weird little plot threads and. There's a, there's a, there's a lot lot to be discovered in this book, and you know there's one issue of it left. We're book two of three. Uh, I really always find myself loving Scott Snyder setups and disliking endings. So I'm really hoping that Snyder nails the the landing with this one. I don't think that's a phrase, but you know what I mean. Uh, I really hope he sticks to the landing, and uh, we get a finale to this book that's as good as. Uh, what what he started here because there's something really special i could read a long series set in this world there's a lot of crazy ideas and even just the the world of of uh, the almost kind of boring life of a super thief uh that he sets up on here is is, is fascinating to me and i could read a lot more of it uh i just find yeah it was- if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With Snyder, I loved... I always bring it up when I talk about him. I loved his detective run so much. And I think that's still, for me, the only book that I've read of his where the ending was as good as the beginning. Um, I find I find myself unsatisfied by how much he has to kind of wrap up every single element in his books. And you have characters kind of, I guess, saying, almost stepping out of there, like saying things that you wouldn't expect him to say just to, just to kind of let you know every single detail of, of their mind and why they chose to do the things they did, which is kind of what we get in um, the finale of the first arc of uh, All-Star Batman, which is the, uh, we're five issues in. Um, it's the Snyder kind of crazy Batman stories. Um, this arc has been drawn by John Romita Jr. Um, unbelievable first issue, but I think it started to lose its way. And I, I still find this entertaining. It's still fun for sure, but the just the level of... Uh, extra dialogue that all the characters you know they explain every single motive kind of it's like reading a chris claremont x-men run which i know i i, I, sh- I shouldn't criticize because everyone loves that so much but i can't stand how you know every single thing those characters are thinking and uh i should think about the you know my words a bit more before i say them but i just find myself being so unsatisfied by by his his endings um i enjoyed this book all the same um, but it definitely made me realize that I'm enjoying what Tom King is doing on the main Batman run more than what Scott Snyder has to say about Batman. That said, I'm still going to read his books because they're still very fun. Uh, so yeah, Scott Snyder and uh, Jeff Lemire after death is an absolute must read. Um, it's, I think it's only what, like nine ninety nine, five ninety nine US. Oh man, for a book that took me like I'm, I'm 90 minutes to read and I'm definitely going to reread the entire series again when, it, when it's finished. Um, yeah, after death is one of, my, one of the best things I've read in the last couple of months for sure. Very unique, and I bet lots of other people will follow in their footsteps after this is uh, complete. Uh, next on my list, I guess this is number three, is Star Wars issue 26. Uh, you may have listened to a bonus episode of Serious Issues recently in which I discussed the Star Wars comics over at Marvel with Steel Saunders from, a Steel, from Steel Wars, a Star Wars podcast. He and I approached the Star Wars comics very differently, me as a fan of comic books, and, uh, you know, kind of a knowledge of what comic books can and can't do and what they're likely to do with big characters and action and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm more forgiving of, of certain things for the sake of a big action comic book, whereas he comes from it from a pure Star Wars canonical diehard fan. Um, he reads these because he has to, because they are canon and they are part of the, the world that he's de- dedicated so much of his life to. So when they do something that may come across as quite flippant towards the uh, greater universe in the books, he gets very angry. Uh, it's a really, really fun listen. Um, I, I definitely uh, start kind of teasing him uh, at some point in the book. And at one point, he even admits that he just wants, wishes the comic books would be boring. <laughs> uh, really, really fun. And I appreciate Steel for, for doing this with me. But um, I bring up 
Star Wars issue 26 by Jason Aaron with art by Salvador La Roca, who was doing the uh, Darth Vader art, but is now over on the main Star Wars books. So he must be one of the uh, the biggest Star Wars fans working in comics today. Uh, but this issue 26, I think, is by far the best issue of the Star Wars run so far. Um, we spoke about in the bonus episode our favorite moments in the uh, in the Star Wars comics are actually these flashback issues where Luke Skywalker reads Obi-Wan Kenobi's diaries in order to kind of get a better understanding of the Force and, and his life as a Jedi. Um, and the flashback issues have been really, really great. They enrich the uh, the Star Wars mythology and, and world without kind of ruining plot deep points and lessening characters' interactions in the movies. Uh, this book kind of has its cake and eats it too. It furthers the ongoing plotline featuring the Scar Squadron, the amazing um, kind of badass. Basically, if if, uh, if, if there was a, a 90s image title about um, Stormtroopers, that's what Scar Squadron is. Um, these like kind of badass uh, rogue, not rogue, but it's uh, a wrong word to use when describing something in the Star Wars universe. But they're like a kind of uh, fringe group of uh, Stormtroopers who are almost like bounty hunters but working for the Empire. Um, and uh, they've kidnapped C-3PO and um, R2-D2 kind of hijacks a ship and, and goes off to rescue his friend. And um, Luke tries to go after him, but R2 convinces the droid in um, in Luke's ship to uh, to disable hyperspeed. So, uh, that now, so now he can't... Uh, he can't um he can't follow R2 to to stop um to stop him from rescuing C3PO. So Luke's left alone with the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi and we read a story about a um old Jedi master who hasn't been in any of the Star Wars books yet and that is Yoda. And uh it was very exciting to see him appear, appear in these pages. It's a great story uh that's going to be continued in the next issue. Um I think this is a really, really great comic, and I, I, I hope that uh, when we revisit the Star Wars comics with Steel in a future bonus episode, he feels the same way. I think this is everything that the Star Wars comics should be doing. So that's why it's number three for me. Number four is issue 12 of James Bond 007. Um, Edelon is the name of this arc. It lasted the last six issues. This is written by Warren Ellis with art by Ian Masters, and one of my favorite series of the last year that I don't think enough people read. Um, I mean, why would you read a James Bond comic? How good could it be? This is not just as, like, as good as a James Bond comic could ever be, but also some of the best Warren Ellis, who was one of the best writers in comics today and you know for the last 20 years. This is some of the best work I've, I've read of him ever. Um, this kind of like asshole version of James Bond, which is totally what he should be um, in this, you know, it's quite grim. The violence is, is really awful. And I don't know if you, if you read the Nighthawk series that Marvel put out last year, what we were big fans of um, by David Walker and um, uh, what's his name? Guy with a name who I forget. He was really good. He's a great artist. Great guys. He's a great name. Great artist. Um, but uh, the ending of that was brutal. It's just super uh, sudden, impactful awful ending uh and i think this might top it it's just this abrupt ending to this not only is this an abrupt ending to this current storyline it's also a abrupt ending to this series and an abrupt ending to warren ellis's work with james bond as far as i know there's no more issues beyond this and there's no there's no like i think this is like the opposite of how i feel after reading a snyder book wrap-up you get like this kind of somewhat of a conclusion like the story a part of it is certainly over um and but you don't get this like kind of there's no pathos there's no like you know 
hero reflecting on what's happened. It's just the story is finished and that's that. And I found that so satisfying and that really stuck with me. It's it's quite a brutal ending. So um, this this book, uh, if you if I think I think the first. Um, I think it's Varga is the um, the name of the first six issues, the big storyline that was part of. Um, I think that's in trade and Enelon is probably not far off. Um, highly recommend it. I'll let you know on the show when they're available in trade. I just, I can't say enough good things about this series. It's uh, everything that I want this stupid movie franchise to be, except it's in a comic book form. And you know what, guys? Comic books are better than movies. There, I said it. Uh, finally, Batgirl issue number six makes my list because... Uh, I've been pretty critical of this uh, series, which is uh, well, now what, six issues in uh, by Hope Larson and Raphael Albuquerque on art. Um, I was really excited about this kind of that that this creative team working on Batgirl, but it was this kind of meandering, boring plot of Batgirl kind of going from country to country through Asia, and uh, I didn't really find the the story that engaging at all. But this is a one shot in which she returns back from her holiday uh, to go back to Burnside. And who should be on her plane but Poison Ivy. And uh, Poison Ivy has uh, smuggled what she thought was a dormant plant on, on into the cargo. And the, the uh, plant comes to life and the two of them kind of team up to uh, to take the plant out. This is a really, really satisfying one shot. And I'm, I, was, I was kind of waiting for this storyline to be over so I could drop this book. But there's no way in hell I'm doing that now. I, I think... This really shows the potential that Hope Larson and, and Raphael Albuquerque have for this book. It was really, really fun. Great characterization of this version of Batgirl. And it set up some great things for the future, including the son of Penguin, uh, who I don't think has ever be, really appeared in anything before. But uh, he appears, he, he totally fits the world of, uh, of Batgirl. And uh, so much so that he is choosing not to go to Gotham because he would rather go to Burnside. So it looks like those two will be butting heads in the future. Um, yeah, really, really excited for, for this book. And uh, it's always a nice surprise to think you want to drop something and then suddenly be proven otherwise um, by, by a great book. So, yeah, Batgirl, James Bond, Star Wars, After Death, and uh, Mariko Tamaki's Supergirl being super and Hulk were my picks of the week this week. Uh, honorable mentions, and <laughs> there's like 12 of them. But uh, I've got to talk about Sex, issue 34, which is a book that I harp on about all the time by Joe Casey and Peter Kowalski. Um, it's my favorite Joe Casey book from the last decade. It's about, it's almost, it's kind of like it's, it's, it, it, when it started out, it was very much about this kind of like post Batman. He's given up that this character who is similar to Batman has given up the mantle and is trying to concentrate purely on his, uh, you know, the business side, like the Wayne Enterprises equivalent in this world. But also, you know, you've got all of his ex hero, ex villains, you've got his sidekick in this. And it's also very frank about sex and the role sex plays in this world. Uh, it is weaving the diff- different storylines, like entirely different storylines featuring, I think, up to like 20-something different characters. And it gives you just enough of each character, each issue, um, weaves a bit more of their threads of storyline to keep you keep you satisfied and keep you like, you know, on your toes for what's about to happen to them next. This is notable, though, because this is the last issue of sex. It's not the end of the story. The issue 34 is the last uh, monthly issue of sex they're going to bring it back as a graphic novel which is a uh, very strange um and probably an easier way for them both to work together peter kowalski and joe casey are a great team they, they you can totally they totally are made to work together um I, I guess i'm uh in a spot here because it ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger and i feel like we're gonna to have to wait like over a year to get that first graphic novel but in any case i'll, I'll read it because i really really 
uh, enjoy this series so much so that I, I implore you to uh, pick up all the other trades or, or digitally or comic issues, whatever, however you read and read this series because I, I don't think enough people read it and uh, it's very unique and fun and, and, and satisfying. It's great storytelling. So, yes, yeah, Sex Issue 34. Looking forward to that graphic novel. I uh, also want to give a little shout out to the Great Lakes Avengers issue number three. This is a very, very funny series that I feel like a big old goose for criticizing issue one of. I didn't know what I was talking about back then. I was a different person. It's just a really funny Marvel book about a bunch of a ragtag bunch of uh, of loser Avengers uh, trying to make their way in Detroit. And this has enough little bits of flashback uh, to uh, just be a really fun and satisfying deep story. Um, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 11. Really enjoying this Laughleys and um, Brainiac team up. Um, and you've got Kai. You've got, you've got all the main lanterns in this book too. This book has finally become what I wanted it to be. It's a big, silly space adventure book. There's, uh, it's the opposite of what Green Lanterns is. Um, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, we knew from the get-go that it was the superior of the Green Lantern books, but now it is everything I want in a Green Lantern book. Um, almost. It needs to be... Actually, no, it is. I'll give it to it. Well done, um, Robert Venditti. You finally did it. It's a very good book. Um, Love is Love. I know Siobhan and Nate brought this up earlier. Is a, uh, a collection anthology of uh, different writers and artists responding to um, the, uh, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting um, last year. Um, and so this is a, a really, really positive and at times, you know, heartbreaking uh, look at, you know, artists' reactions to that, to that shooting also just reactions to you know living in the queer community or, or being supportive of the queer community um i think this is just a really must own book for anyone that wants to support something good through through comic books because all proceeds from it go towards um the uh, victim survivors and families of the shooting massacre by um through equality florida um there's some really really beautiful moments in here moments in featuring characters that you know and love from like Batverse to Harry Potter to even like Southern Bastards. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, almost all of the little stories contained in this. It's out through IDW and uh, you should definitely pick it up. Uh, Thor, um, speaking of Southern Bastards, written by Jason Aaron, uh, wrapped up its little two-issue story featuring Steve Epting on art and uh, featuring the, uh, what are they called? The, um, the, war, the Realms people. I don't know what the hell they are. The heroes from Ten Realms, the, the League, the League of Realms—that's what they're called. It sounds like a uh, shitty app that you buy on your phone. You've got to spend ten dollars on a week just to have enough soldiers to beat some dickhead. But uh, it's a very good, good story, and uh, it was really—it was a treat seeing Steve Epting draw all these high-concept fantasy characters. Uh, but Russell Dorderman is back for the next issue, which is the Asgard Shi'ar War. Um, Jason Aaron's Thor run is just a, a thing of beauty. Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Justice League versus Suicide Squad, number two of six. It's uh, a weekly comic book event, and I'm about to complain about Civil War 2, but I figure I should balance that by saying this is kind of how you should do an event. Like, it is completely stupid, but it's quick, it's fun, it's to the point, and none of the characters are doing anything too dumb. I don't really like the depiction of Amanda Waller. Um, she's kind of like a very one note my way or the highway kind of character with no, none of the nuance that, that Ostrander kind of wrote her with, but she serves the, 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 the her, 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 this iteration of her serves the story pretty well. Um, it's pretty fun. I really like killer frost as this, um, extremely leveled up version of herself. Um, and, uh, I, I wonder if they're going to kill anybody in this, um, pretty fun. 
Just very fun. I don't know why I wanted that. Stop killing comic book characters. They have feelings too. Uh, Ghost Rider number two by Philippe Smith with um, art by Denio S. Bayruth. I'm still not loving this story yet, but I do see what they're trying to do here. And I have to acknowledge the fact that they are uh, bringing back basically a modernized version of a um, of a uh, old run of Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four went into space or some shit, so they got a bunch of heroes to fill in for them. So they got Ghost Rider, the Hulk, Wolverine, and uh, someone else who's... I mean, their face is blacked out um, on here. I'm going to Google it. This is the the cool... Those tapping sounds you hear, Mike, in hands, furiously uh, tapping away, trying to figure out who was the fourth character in this. And I know everyone listening right now is like, it was this fucking guy, you dumbass. Um, there it is. So originally it was Wolverine, Spider-Man, Hulk, and Ghost Rider. So it looks like we've got, so far we've got Hulk, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, except it's the totally awesome Hulk, aka Amadeus Cho. Uh, Robbie Reyes is Ghost Rider. Um, Laura, aka X-23, aka Wolverine. And I think the final spider character from the look of the silhouette of her hair is going to be Silk. So that's fun. It's like a pretty, an updated version of a classic, weird Fantastic Four story. But um, uh, it's still not quite that good. Um, Rocket Raccoon, number one, um, written by Matthew Rosenberg, um, and art by Jorge Coelho. Um this is uh, basically Rocket Raccoon is stuck on Earth and trying to get by, stealing food and helping homeless people and shooting police. But uh, he comes across none other than Johnny Blaze. Uh, and this looks like it's going to be like a fun little team up between those two dorks, um, which I'm all for. This is a little bit disappointing for me. I, was, I had really high expectations of this because I really enjoy Matthew Rosenberg on uh, Four Kids Walking to a Bank and I uh, really enjoyed his Kingpin run. Uh, during Civil War 2 But uh, this wasn't quite as good as that But it was still a good start uh, so Saga Just is just a tokenistic Yep, Saga was good this week, guys Real good um, And finally, Spider-Woman number 14 uh, 13 was a real kick in the guts emotionally And uh, they're kind of pushing forward Acknowledging that kick in the guts But also moving the story along at a nice pace With a lot of intrigue you know, should we be feeling as sad as we we feel about that kick in the guts, or will things turn around in, in future issues? I'm very intrigued, guys. This is a great book by uh, Dennis Hopeless, Veronica Fish. Most of these books you're going to hear a little one minute review of again later on in the episode when I play all the guest reviews. But first, guys, Civil War Two. Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, teaming up to create what I would say is easily the worst event in comic books in the entire time I've been reading comics and also is very, very handy because it is everything wrong with Marvel Comics in 2016. And this is coming from someone who is a big fan of Marvel Comics in 2016 for the most part. But there is this little window of characters and and stories and books that I just, like, you know, I, I peer into and I'm never satisfied by. And a lot of them are written by Brian Bendis. And this is the coming together of all of the stupid ideas that they let him get away with and it's just this boring fuck fest, except no one fucks, nor is it a festival. I just like, yeah, you know what? I don't need to complain about this anymore because that would just be just over the top. I, I cannot believe that this was the ultimate issue of this story that they had to add an extra issue to to give us the full, the full, you know, the full story, the full amazing story they were trying to tell. Um, 
and if you haven't read it, and I would never really suggest you to do this of anything because it's a terrible way to uh, to to enjoy art. But this is not art. All of the art, and this is probably the strongest thing about it. But the story is so unsatisfying in every single way. What you should do is you should look up Civil War Two and just read a plot, you know, play by play. Even if it's just one paragraph, that's pretty much. This is a. It's eight issues plus a zero issue plus a free comic book day issue to tell you a paragraph worth of story. Nothing of note happens in this run. Read the boring play-by-play paragraph and that's all you'll need to do to enjoy this book. Also, quick shout out to uh, another Bendis book this week, Infamous Iron Man. I can just see him doing exactly the same thing again. He sets up these these potentially big scenarios and then he just meanders and nothing happens. And this is just a really slow book in which nothing happens and I don't care and I should just stop reading, but I'm not because there's something wrong with me. You've been listening to Serious Issues right now. Uh, thank you so much to uh, everyone uh, who listens each week, but thanks especially to uh, everyone over the, the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash, serious, slash groups slash Serious Issues podcast. Um, because I knew this was going to be a bit of a weird episode this week, I thought I would ask for some uh, little help from the group. I get by with a little help from my group. Um, and so I asked everyone if, if they if they felt comfortable enough doing it, send me a 60-second review of a book that you liked or didn't like this week. I was expecting everyone to uh, review Civil War II and it would just be this long complainathon, which kind of would have been fun in its own way. But uh, once I got one Civil War II review, I was like, you know what, that'll do. Uh, and in fact, it's a lot more positive than both mine, uh, Siobhan and Nate's. Uh, so you can hear that coming up in just a moment. Um, but uh, we're going to do this again in the future. So you should definitely join us, facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. Um, I want to give a special thank you to Rebecca, Joel, Joe, James, Ray, Megan, Shane, Tyler, Brad, Jeff, and Brayden. I think that's everybody. I'm really sorry if I skipped someone. There are a lot of uh, little reviews to to edit and, and put into this little segment here. But uh, I totally appreciated you guys taking the time out of your day to uh, send me these great reviews. I, I ended on an amazing note uh, from Tyler. So make sure you listen till the very end for what I think is uh, one of the greatest moments in this podcast history. Um, thanks so much for listening. You can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Or again, join our group, join the discussion. We've got 300 people in there talking about comics 24-7, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. You can find us uh, on Twitter, twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues. And you can find us individually at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, and uh, Siobhan Coombs at Siobhan CBG. Um, and I think you can find Nacho Pop at, at Nacho Pops, I think is him. Or just, I don't know, just type Nacho Pop online. You can see some funny photos of him dancing with a funny hat on 10 years ago. It's good stuff. Uh, you can send us an email, seriousissues at kingscomics.com. And... Uh, should I just quickly go through some books that I'm looking forward to? That have, I'm recording this on Thursday, so all the books are out, but I don't get back from my holiday until the weekend. So I'm going to pick up, uh, I'm excited to pick up um, Box Office Poison, Color Comics, which is a great series um, that came out, I, don't know, I think it's like a decade and a half ago. I was picking them up when I was still in high school. But uh, it's a real kind of slice of life comic um, all about relationships and, and careers. It's a really, really satisfying, fulfilling read. And it was in black and white. It's now coming out in color. Um, IDW are reprinting it in color. Uh, definitely check it out. Just give it one issue. It, you know, if you're not into the kind of slice of life kind of human point of view comics, maybe, maybe it won't be for you, but you'll figure it out pretty quick. Give that one a, a little flick through. Uh, I'm very excited about issue seven of uh, the Flintstones coming back. Um, the second issue of Hawkeye by um, uh, Kelly Thompson. 
Um, we get the Atom is coming back into the DC Rebirth universe, which is exciting. With a number one, um, we've got uh, the 10th issue of Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire, which I'm excited to see what happens next in that. There's a new Wasp comic, and more ex- most excitingly from... Um, from Marvel, there's the first issue of uh, USA Avengers, which is Al Ewing's next thing, featuring all the characters that we know and love from New Avengers and Squirrel Girl. Um, I'm very excited to read that because uh, New Avengers was off the wall crazy, and it looks like USA Avengers is going to be even crazier. Uh, finally, the um, the Walking Dead issue number 162 finishes that uh, long-going um, event that's been happening in the uh, Walking Dead books the last couple months, and I'm excited to see who's going to fucking die because that's all that happens in that book, and I love it when people die in that book. RIP to them. Uh, actually, this week is probably the quietest week we've had in months, so I've added a few um, little golden books featuring um, Marvel heroes that are coming out this week. I'm picking up the Doctor Strange little golden book and a uh, Rocket Raccoon little golden book, which is uh, going to be fun. So I'll let you know how those are, especially if you've got kids and I've got a lot of parents who listen to this podcast. Very important to get your kids into superheroes. And what better way to do it than via the medium of little golden books. Um, cool. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week with Javon back at King's Comics, where we should be. Uh, enjoy your holiday if you are having one. Hope it's as good as mine. Hope you don't have to hide from your family to record nerdy pod- comic book podcasts. But if you do, I hope you did it in an air-conditioned room like I'm in right now. Uh, without further ado, here are the guest reviews. And thanks again. Bye bye. See you later. What's up, serious issues? This is Joe Ryan, and I'm going to review Detective Comics 947 from DC Comics. This is written by James T. IV and art by Ralph Fernandez. This series to me is one of the most consistent that DC has put out this year. It has been phenomenal from the you know Batwoman arc with her father to Tim Drake, etc. This issue kind of pulls a lot of those elements, including the stuff with Mr. Oz, uh, Stephanie Brown, what an ending we get with her, and I love how she goes after Batman in this. I love how she says to him, hey, everything you think you're doing is good. Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought of the innocents running from a building you're fighting in or hiding in an alleyway? And we get some really cool art depicting that, and she really cuts to Batman. She really actually gets through to him. Uh, it sets up some things with her where it might be coming back in the future, and I really, really, really love this. Uh, phenomenal issue. Hi, it's Rebecca from Milton Keynes in the UK, and I want to talk about Uncanny Inhumans number 17 by Charles Soule and R.B. De Silva, which is uh, quite an interesting issue because it has Black Bolt able to speak. That's because his power's been stolen by an inhuman called Auron, who's been brought back to life uh, by her daughters, but is missing parts of her, so is kind of breaking down a little bit. Um, the story up t- to get you up to date is explained very naturally, so you don't really have to know anything before that. You just have to deal with this kind of panic of what happens if somebody who's not used to this power suddenly has to realize they can't make any sound at all, but really wants to, and is also kind of seeking revenge on Black Bolt. Um, it has an amazing meeting with Black Bolt and Medusa when he says hello to her. Uh, she looks really shocked. It- it's lovely, and it's a quite an emotional read. But I really liked it. Howdy folks, my name's Joel, I'm from Melbourne, and I'm here to talk a little bit about Hulk Number 1 by Mariko Tamaki and Nico Leon. This first issue sees Jen going back to practice law for the first time since the Charles Sewell and Javier Polito run from a couple of years ago. But it is very, very different than that book was. That book was all bright, flat colours uh, and sassy problem-solving. This book is very much drenched in the tone of Civil War II, which is to say brooding and angst. Now, I never really felt like I was crying out for a book where Jen Walters was really stressed all the time, 
But uh, I think if anyone's going to do it, Marika Tamaki is doing a fantastic job, at least in the first issue, of being really sensitive to this character and digging into those uh, the real effects of superheroing and, and the death of her cousin, where she could previously switch from Jen to Hulk and back at will. Hulk now feels, the way that Tamaki describes it, like a panic attack coming on, and that's that's a really interesting approach to take, and so it gives me some confidence that Mariko will be respectful and, and not just dig into the angst because angst is cool and you can play his metal guitars. Although the preview of the cover of issue 2 does look a little bit wake me up, wake me up inside for my liking. We'll see. I'm, I'm optimistic. Hi, my name's James, and I'm going to be talking to you about the final issue of Civil War 2, uh, issue 8. Um, I'm going to say things I like, things I didn't like. Uh, first of all, favourite thing was there's a reference to Jason Aaron's Thor run. Uh, from last year, which I really liked, because you see, once again, male Thor wielding Mjolnir, uh, facing off against a, once again, alive adult male Loki, um, and Loki is wielding the God-Killer Blade from, again, Jason Aaron's Thor run, and the same artist, um, which was one of my personal favourites of last year. And then, what I didn't like uh, was definitely the fact that Carol comes out victorious at the end of Civil War Two. And not just victorious, she basically gets a blank check from the President of the United States. Um, and I don't like that Hawkeye stands by her, but I guess that's kind of him being the bigger person. And I guess that kind of leads into Occupy Avengers. Um, but most of all, overarching thread across Civil War II is that Dave Marquez does an amazing job, and he deserves to be commended for that. Um, I don't really think there's anyone out there who's claiming that Civil War II is their favourite book ever, but... You know, there are some tidbits to enjoy here and there. Sly references, amazing art. Uh, bad story, bad writing. Sorry, Bendis. Hey, this is Brad Love, and I'm doing a review of Star Wars number 26 by Jason Aaron and Salvador LaRocca uh, from the Great White North. Uh, I really love this issue. I usually do not like the Star Wars comics, but it's all canon, so i got to keep up. Uh... C-3PO was his regular annoying self, like, in a good way, and we get the flashback, which is usually the best part of these comics, and I think this might be my favorite comic of this run. Uh, it just does everything right. Every time I think it's going to do something wrong, it, it, it switches it back and does something great, and there's characters in it that I never thought I would see in this run, and I cannot wait till next month's issue, uh, they're probably going to call it Lord of the Flies, a Star Wars story. Hi, my name's Jeff. I'm from the United States. I'm from Florida, to be specific, and I'm reviewing Spider-Woman number 14 by Dennis Hopeless, Veronica Fish, and uh, Dennis Hopeless is my favorite writer right now. He's just publishing the best stuff. Spider-Woman is my favorite title of his, and it just continues to be dead on. Uh, Veronica Fish is doing the art, and she also does Slam, which I love both of those titles. Um, and Jess is just dealing with grief and trying to reconcile relationships that are broken and having to face hard truths. And there's just something about Hopeless's writing that uh, feels real and genuine. Um, he never tries to do too much or be too stylish, uh, just tells the story in a very direct way. And uh, I love it. You should be reading it. It's my favourite thing Marvel's putting out right now. Hi guys, it's Braden Greenslade from Adelaide, South Australia here, and I'm here to review Dark Knight Returns 3, Issue 7, by Miller, Azarello, Kubert, Jansen, and Anderson. The pros of this issue, the art was awesome, 
they were playing with uh, Commissioner Yindle and Batgirl team-up. So, you know, it was the Commissioner and Batman, now it's the Commissioner and Batgirl. Clark saves Bruce by going to the Lazarus Pit. You know, it's what I thought. As soon as Bruce died, well, take him to the Lazarus Pit. But he's crazier than ever, so, you know, Frank Miller can do what he wants, and it makes more sense, I guess. How is a Green Lantern, um, which is cool, yay, Green Lantern, and the Amazons versus Kandorian set up, and that's a fight we all want to see. The book does have pacing issues, but the weird release time has always done that. It's just a set-up issue at the end of the day, so, you know, you could really miss it, you're not missing out too much. And there's a trap moment in there, and I know they love to keep it in the here and now for the Dark Knight Returns series, but... Trump, really. Overall, it was a really cool issue, and I'm keen to see more. Hi, I'm Shane Gibson, or That Geek Caveman on different social media, and I'm from far north Queensland. I'm going to be reviewing um, Action Comics 970, The Trial of Lex Luthor. Uh, this is a really good Superman comic. Anything in the rebirth has been. It's really good to see Superman playing devil's advocate. He's basically playing the defense lawyer in this in this trial of Lex Luthor. He's trying to stop them from killing Lex just because they believe that he's going to become Darkseid. We all know Darkseid is like the ultimate evil here, and they get to show a bit of um, what Darkseid's done, and that was really cool seeing that, seeing the parademons and all this. Also, bring in the mother box. So now Superman knows that Lex has a mother box. That's going to change things up. So this is really going to be interesting to see what happens with Lex and um, Superman because Superman has been trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now with this, it's going to be interesting what happens in the future. I really like the two Superman and the two Clark Kent ideas in this. One Clark Kent without powers, one Superman who's actually a bad guy. Um, really enjoying this comic. Thanks. See ya. Hi, uh, my name is Ronaldo from Sydney, Australia, and I'm going to review Black Widow number nine, um, written by Mark Wade, Chris Somney on art, and Matt Wilson on colours. Um, basically, uh, this is a really good issue. It's um, it's action packed. Um, there's uh, a little bit of plot to get it kind of going, um, but once it does, there's like I think the twelve pages in the middle. Um, which basically dedicated to, to fight scenes. Um, and the highlight of this issue would have to be Sumney's art. Uh, basically, his layouts are superb. Um, the way he follows through um, movement, um, particularly Black Widow um, and Bucky and Recluse, who they're fighting, um, it just gives it uh, such an energy um, and, and, and quite an ex exciting uh, issue to, to read. Um, there's a couple of pages at the end for exposition um, for later issues, but on the whole, um, get this if you want to um, have really nice visuals. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, even pick it up if uh, you want to try it out for the first time. Cheers. Hi, it's Rebecca from Milton Keynes in the UK. I was going to talk about Captain America Steve Rogers number 8 by Nick Spencer and Hazel Says. Um, it's set still within the Hydra Cap sort of storyline. So we see Steve Rogers in the current day, what he's planning for when he has control of Hydra. Uh, we see some of the powers that the new Quasar, Avril Kincaid, has. Um, and we get to see exactly what Steve um, is like when he has no moral sort of bearing and he can just use all the strategic skills he's got for manipulation. The flashbacks take us back to this school for Hydra kids um, and where Steve and his best mate Helmut uh, Zemo are having capers and meeting up with the original Baron Zemo and listening in on a very secretive meeting um, that they shouldn't be listening to, but gives us a, a great sort of insight into what's going to come. Um, I love the Hydra Cap storyline, shamelessly, and I thought this was another great episode. Um, looking forward to seeing it ramping up. Hey, it's Megan from Melbourne. Levin's asked us to review some books. I'm going to do some 
Batgirl, issue number six by Hope Larson and Alba Raphael Albuquerque. It involves Poison Ivy, Batgirl, not snakes on a plane, but a poison tree on a plane, well planned. Um, yes, a lot of shenanigans occur. I won't spoil it for you if anyone's still reading this book. I probably should have dropped it, but you know, I read anything Hope Larson, anything Batgirl. Um, it's only a one shot, so if you dropped off, maybe get back on. See how the next arc goes. If it's anything like this, it'll be good. I like to rate my books. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Probably a bit high, but, you know, it was good. Hi, my name is Tyler Head, and I am reviewing East of West, number 30. Written by Jonathan Hickman, and the art is by Nick Dragotta. So the book starts with a focus on seeing uh, an older group of the three horsemen that have been uh, following the story since the very beginning, and they're traveling the world a bit upset that they aren't seeing more death. While they know the end is ine inevitable, uh, they are disappointed that it isn't more rapid and more decayed. The further the horsemen get on their path through the issue, the more death they come across. And I feel like this is just them falling into the way of the destiny of the word. And it leaves us at a really weird point where it's like we didn't get enough with this issue, but at least we know that the horsemen are on their way somewhere important. But at least this is the beginning of year three of the apocalypse, which is really good. The art is still stellar, and the designs of the three horsemen in this issue were probably my favorite part of this issue. Um, and I love the great western world that this uh, book keeps up. Jonathan Hickman has been killing it with the series, and the gears are constantly turning in this world. Much like how Game of Thrones keeps their world balanced, with all the stories converging into each other in one way or another. Shout out to Serious Issues. I don't always see eye to eye with your comments and reviews on books, but there's always one thing we all agree on. Brian Michael Bendis is the worst. Cheers from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big 